Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. It's great to be with you as we come to the penultimate episode of this series, Pray Like Jesus. We've been taking the Lord's Prayer bit by bit. I've had a guest who's spoken through that and unpacked that, and then we've had a discussion. It's been really great so far. If you've missed any of the episodes, please go back, listen to them. They're on Spotify and Apple Music and on our website. Wherever you're listening to this, you'll find the other ones. I'm really blessed this week to be joined by Janet Johnston. And so, yeah, I'm going to pass over to Janet. Janet, welcome. Do you want to just introduce yourself before you get going to anyone who might not know you? Yeah, thanks so much, Owen. Yeah, as Owen said, my name is Janet Johnston and I'm from King's Community Church in Hedgeend in Southampton. I uh, used to live in Helsham. 10 years and very much feel comfortable in East Sussex. But my job now in community church in, in Southampton is to lead the pastoral team and also responsible for welcome and integration. I have three grown-up kids and four grandkids and one more on the way. Incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Wonderful. Janet's going to be talking to us about this next line of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins. And so without further ado, I'll hand over to you, Janet. Please share with us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for this opportunity. Really uh, looking forward to just talking about this amazing line in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. The Lord's Prayer is a great model for us. And I love the fact that it starts with us focusing as God, as our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We know who we are as his children because we know who he is as our Father. And in this place, he invites us to to proclaim and participate in his kingdom, where we get to see heaven touching earth. And he provides all our daily needs and so much more as well. Then we get to the powerful statement that we're going to be thinking about today. Dare I say they are 12 life-changing words. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Our cry to the God of all creation is for us to know his forgiveness And his prayer for us is that we will love one another and in doing so be a people who can live at peace with one another. It's a pivotal point in the centre of the prayer where we're presented with the good news of the gospel of Jesus and we're also presented with the radical transformation that this will have on how we relate to one another. And to make sure we get the point, I love the fact Jesus picks this one theme of forgiveness and reiterates it again a few verses later. So Matthew 6, 14, For if you forgive others their sin, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive you. The human need for forgiveness is deep within us all. It doesn't go away by ignoring it or denouncing it. There is a need for us to receive forgiveness as much as there is a need for us to give forgiveness from the heart, totally and without restraint. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18 I want us to focus on today. It was our kids' favourite story when they were growing up. The story says, A king wishes to settle his accounts. He comes to a servant who owes him several millions of pounds, more money than any one person could ever repay. The king orders him to be sold into slavery along with his wife and his children and all that he owns. And this desperate man falls on his knees and begs for mercy. Have patience with me, he says. I'll pay you back everything I owe. Out of pity for him, the king not only releases him, but cancels his debt. A debt the size of national debt, far beyond the ability of any one man to ever repay. But when this forgiven servant leaves the king, he finds a friend, a fellow servant, who owes him a day's salary. He seizes this friend by the throat and demands he pays back what is owed. This man too begs for mercy. Have have patience with me, he says. I'll pay back everything I owe. 
but the servant, himself so recently and outrageously forgiven, refuses to show mercy. Instead, he has his friend thrown into prison until the debt is paid in full. When the king hears of this, he is furious. You wicked man, he says. I forgive you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I have mercy on you? And in anger, the king delivered him to the jailers until he should pay back all his debt. Now Jesus finishes this story by saying, So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Ouch. Here it is. This is the arrow that points directly to our hearts. If we truly receive divine forgiveness, we will reflect this in our relationships with one another. How are you doing so far? <laughs> Let's look first at divine forgiveness. In the story of the unforgiving servant, we stand in awe of the king's outrageous kindness. It wasn't just that the debt was forgiven. Someone still had to absorb the debt, and this was done by the king himself. He absorbed the debt that the servant would never be able to repay. He absorbed it, and in doing so, he released the man from a lifetime of misery. If not for the king's mercy, that man would have been without hope. So what of our debt to God? What about our need for forgiveness for our sins? Colossians 1.13 says, For he, that's God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The price for our sin had to be paid for, and this was absorbed by the death of Jesus on the cross. We are without hope, except for the astounding free grace that comes from God himself. He forgives our sin, he cancels our debt, taking the cost upon himself. I became a Christian at the age of 11. I wasn't into too much bad stuff by then, just the odd theft from my mum's piggy bank to buy sweets. Well, actually quite a lot more than that as well. But anyway, I remember in my 20s having a moment in God when I realised that my sin was as black as any person's. Just because I was young when I became a Christian did not minimise my need for forgiveness. The wall between me and God was as dark and impenetrable as anyone else's. And as this realisation hit me, so did the incredible grace and mercy of God sweep over me. If you're ever in the fortunate position to buy a diamond ring from a jeweller's, it will probably be displayed on black velvet. The reason for this is that the beauty of the cut glass is best seen against the black backdrop. And likewise, the beauty of the gospel is fully seen when we realise how black our sin is. In Luke 7, Jesus says, He who is forgiven much, loves much. And this was the revelation that hit me in my 20s. My forgiveness from God cost him everything. Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa, who'd spent his life fighting against apartheid, said, Forgiveness is not cheap. It is costly. Reconciliation is not an easy option. It cost God the death of his son. Forgive us our sins are four incredibly powerful words. As are the following eight words, as we forgive those who sin against us. Perhaps the most shocking part of the story is the callousness of the forgiven servant towards others. How could he have failed to be softened? And how could he have failed to be softened and changed by the king's mercy? 
As listeners to the story, we feel this injustice. Yet how often do we, who only live by the mercy of God every second of our lives, fail to be kind and merciful, generous, forgiving, gracious every day? Gosh, I have felt so challenged by this again as I've been reflecting on it. Why didn't the king's forgiveness make the servant a forgiver? The answer, the missing link, is the lack of real repentance on the part of the servant. His emotion was based on self-pity rather than on genuine contrition. And this was so evident to all his friends in the way that he treated others. By contrast, when Barnabas visited the church in Antioch in Acts 11, it says, When he came, he saw the grace of God. What did he see? What does it mean to see the grace of God? It means he saw a people living out of their identity as children of God. He saw a people who had experienced the forgiveness of God and were therefore able to extend this grace and forgiveness to others. He saw hearts transformed by the power of the cross. Colossians 1.12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgive, forgave you, so you must forgive others. So, big question is, how do we do this? How do we apply it to our own lives? In the grot of human relationships, in the pain of past mistakes, in the injustice and the great injustice sometimes of sin done against us, how do we begin to reflect the forgiveness that we have received to others? I'm sure like many of you listening, I have walked through forgiveness myself. So I speak this out of personal experience. And these four steps have really helped me. And I've put them as an ABC, just to, ABCD, just to help us remember them. So A, acknowledge the injustice. Acknowledge the sin, acknowledge the hurt. Don't pretend it's not there. You only need to read through the Psalms to see David time and time again acknowledging his pain. Psalm 3, O Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me. Psalm 5, my enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to, to destroy others. Psalm 41, even my close friend, do you hear that pain? Even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has turned against me. If we store bitterness and unforgiveness like a bag of rocks that we carry around with us, then the weight will eventually take its toll on every area of our life. Get the rock out of the bag, face it up, be honest and acknowledge the hurt. This is the first step. Then B, bring it to the cross. What does it mean? This means offering this painful part of your life to the only one who can help you to let it go and experience freedom. When we look at the cross, we're reminded that there is one in heaven who never sinned, yet died with the pain of all human misery on his shoulders. He knew rejection. He knew injustice, hate and torture. And he took our pain so we could walk free. C. Confess with your mouth words of forgiveness, words of freedom. As we confess our sin before God, so too we must confess words of forgiveness. I would suggest ask a friend to stand with you in this and pray with you and allow the Holy Spirit to come and heal wounds. This does not always mean that reconciliation will follow. Where that is possible, then we are called to live at peace with everyone. 
But reconciliation requires movement on both sides and it is not always possible. But regardless of this, there is real freedom as forgiveness is spoken out and confessed and hurt is healed. And then finally D, deal with offence. Offence is the little fox that can so easily ruin the vineyard. Offence tells us we're justified in our feelings. Offence tells us that actually it's okay to hold on to a grudge. Offence tells us actually that even when you've worked through forgiveness, actually there is, you have reason for feeling hurt and, and bitter and carrying that on. Now the Bible tells us, us not to let the enemy have a foothold in our lives. An offence is a sure way to give him one. Forgiveness allows us to let go of offence and to show grace and mercy even when wronged. Tim Keller has written a great book called Forgive, which I've just finished reading. And he says this, the enduring lesson of the parable of the unforgiving servant is this. It is only when we see a king acting as a servant voluntarily for our sake that we servants will stop acting like little kings and judges. Let me read that again. The enduring lesson of the parable of the unforgiving servant is this. It is only when we see a king, capital king, acting as a servant voluntarily for our sakes that we servants will stop acting like little kings and judges. When we hold on to offence, this is what we are doing. We're acting like little kings and judges. Let's deal with offence. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Have I got time for a quick story? Go for it. Before yeah, I finish? definitely. Okay. Many years ago, I remember an interview on, a telev on television that greatly impacted my life. It was given by a man who had just lost his daughter in a remembrance service, and his name was Gordon Wilson. Some of you might well remember him. Gordon was the father of Marie Wilson, one of the 11 people killed in the Enniskillen Remembrance Day bombing in 1987. Gordon's description of that awful day in November reached the far corners of the world. He spoke the last of the last words spoken between himself and his dying daughter in a famous BBC interview, and he said, She held my hand tightly and gripped me as hard as she could. She said, Dad, I love you very much. Those were the last words he ever heard her say. Then Gordon Wilson said these amazing words in the BBC interview that went viral. But I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. She's dead, she's in heaven, and we shall meet again. I will pray for the men who carried out this act tonight and every night. These words may be among the most well-remembered from the decades of conflict in Northern Ireland, spoken by an ordinary man, a man who until that terrible day had run a family business in Northern Ireland. He told the world, I bear these, no, these men no ill will, no grudge, I forgive them. And the repercussions of this decision were huge. It was a key part in bringing peace to Northern Ireland. Here is a man who understood what it meant when he prayed. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those, yes, even those who sin against us. Over to you, Owen. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Janet. That's incredible. And such an amazing story of a position that I know I can't say that I've been near no. at all, mm. but what the grace of God can do in the heart. And mm. 
absolutely amazing and so so many incredible complex things to chat through so thank you so much for sharing that but just yeah a few questions of things that have come through firstly i love the parable of the unforgiving servant i think it's such an incredible story and the way that jesus uses it to show so many different things and that quote from timothy keller just about us stopping being little kings and gods it's takes us all the way back to genesis doesn't it of you know wanting to be like god Mm. and actually it took God coming to be like man for us to show us that that's the right way it needs to be. Mm. You said throughout that sort of that experience in your 20s of of um, remembering that first time when you were like, oh, I, I'm in need of forgiveness. Mm. Could you maybe just chat a bit more about that? What was that like for you of, mm. of sort of just getting to that point? Because I remember what it was like for me, I was probably about, I don't know, probably about New Day 2011 and just seeing the weight of of my sin and just grasping to God. Hmm. Maybe just chat a bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think actually it was that quote that I also said, you know, uh, from Luke about he who is forgiven much loves much. And I think that, you know, I thought, oh, maybe maybe my love is is sort of like almost as a lid on it because I haven't been forgiven much. I'm, you know, I think I'd heard so many amazing testimonies, you know, of those that had lived such terrible lives and, you know, had dealt with, Think drugs and all the rest of it, you know. And I thought, oh, 11, you know, maybe my story, my own story of coming to faith in Jesus was a little bit tame and, and lesser. And I, it was that just moment of realizing, do you know what actually sin, whatever degree sin is in, separates us, us from a holy God. And it was a real eye-opening wow moment is all I can say. I, I, I can remember it even now. I was in a meeting, someone was speaking, and it was like, you know, a light bulb moment when I thought, do you know what? Without the grace of God, I would be dead and without hope. You know, just like we were reading about in the other stories as well. So yeah, it was a real moment for me and God. I, may, I, I think it's so important that we hear, that's why we need to hear testimony from mm. all walks of life, isn't it? You know, because otherwise you do think that. Mm. I, I know multiple people who, you know, they're like, oh, I wish I had a better testimony yeah. or whatever. It's like, your testimony is insane and incredible. Yes. It's miraculous just as much as anyone else's. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'd almost go a little bit further and say, do you know what? The, the testimony of someone who gets saved at a young age and they know the grace of God all the way through their childhood and their teenage years, that's an incredible testimony. Isn't yeah, it? oh, it's, it's mm. amazing. And and I know people who have the reverse, who look back and are very envious of people mm. who are like, you came to know Jesus at a young yes. age and had a wonderful life. Don't complain. Yeah. But no, that's great. You said as well about sort of the, the real cost of saying, forgive us our sins. Because when we're saying, forgive us mm. our sins, we're saying, you know, Jesus, you need to die for me to mm. a certain extent. Mm. How does that, would you say that's impacted your, does that impact your daily life as, as a Christian mm. as you walk through, specifically, I suppose, in relation to sin? Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We encourage people to read the Bible every day and to pray every day. And those are really good sort of spiritual disciplines. Actually, there is a place for repentance, a mm. daily repentance, isn't there? So it's not that, you know, we're sort of like beating ourselves up all the time or anything like that. But actually, just that sense that we walk our Christian lives before a holy God and actually, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm praying for a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these days. And I know that comes with a call to holiness as yeah. well and how we live our lives. So I think, you know, just keeping a short account before God and, yeah, living life, knowing that we live in freedom, where that we, you know, our repentance is a daily act as of devotion and worship to God. Yeah. It's that classic walk of tension of grace and living in the mm. grace that God has given mm. us but never letting yes. it forget the the cost that that mm. that is and I think specifically in these days and in to a certain extent our types of churches I think it we do have to walk that tightrope mm. quite 
quite well. Yes, absolutely. Um, to try and do yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Not taking grace for granted, isn't yeah, it? You know. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you fall into that that cheap grace. Yes. As, as you mentioned, and obviously the quote, pretty cheap grace. Think of people like Bonhoeffer who mm. used that, and obviously there's a man who, when you think of cost, yes, understood a, a, a cost. But mm. yeah, no, incredible. And so great to talk about the yeah, see, God's forgiveness of us, forgive us our sins. I suppose I want to just move on to then to the next bit. For, forgive others as we forgive, as yeah. we would wish to be forgiven. Yes. And I think it's interesting you say about the the injustice we often feel for that mm. second step when we're reading it. And it, it really reminded me of uh, in the Old Testament where Nathan brings that parable of the ewe lamb to David. Yes. And, and, and David is just so indignant. Mm. How dare that happen? And mm. then Nathan goes, you're the one. Yes. And that's, that's a, so often we can get so lost in our own, yeah, I suppose victim culture and, mm. and, and, and rights. And we forget that actually we're, we're the first servant. We're mm. the one who is in that situation. I think, this story as well speaks so much of kingdom value and very much opposed to possibly cancel culture and things that we see mm. today in terms of forgiveness. Is that something you, I suppose, what, what's your thoughts on that in terms of as a church and as, as Christians individually, how can we show the light and the person of Christ through our forgiveness in a culture that maybe doesn't mm. enjoy that term nowadays? Yeah, it's such a good question, isn't it? And I think you know, I, I'm very conscious of the fact that people who might be listening to this, you know, might have had to have dealt with the area of forgiveness in huge areas mm. in their lives, you know. And I know, you know, as I say, I've struggled through some areas myself personally as well. But, you know, in the culture we live in at the moment, which is a very feelings-based culture, isn't it? And very, you know, my rights, my needs and everything. Actually, you know, the whole principle of of being a Christian, being Christ-like in our attitude is that we lay down what is our rights and, and, you know, our right to hold on to a grudge, our right to feel grieved and everything. And, and you know, I, I don't say this lightly because it comes at huge cost. Forgiveness is not easy. But it, it, there is a, you know, I mean, what a fantastic model we've got in, in Jesus, really, and who laid down his life for us. So I think, you know, there is a, an urgency on us to put these things into practice especially in our culture, dare I say, where I think, yeah, there is that sense of, you know, well, this is my right to hold on to this grievance. I think God calls us to really put this into practice and to be an example. You know, how we love one another shows the love of God to our, our world out there as well. So I think, yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to minimize it at all. I think it's a really important thing. Definitely. I think that if we were to, as a church, really stand up in this area, I think there would we would see sort of spiritual strongholds broken, I yes. think, as well. I, I think it's something that, because it's so countercultural, is incredibly powerful. I think that's why the insurance story that you just shared mm. speaks to us on such a personal level, mm. because we still, in our, um, possibly in, in the back of our minds, uh, as we were before, still thinks that's insane. Mm. How can you do that? Why would you do that? How mm. can you stand in that place? Mm. And it is only the spirit's work yes. in us. And so I think that's that's another thing that was, as you were speaking, just was reflecting on the constant need to be filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. to live that life. Absolutely. Dare I say that I don't think we can do this yeah. unless we know the forgiveness of God in our lives. That's the beauty of that whole parable, you know, that Jesus tells anyway. And I'd just like to really recommend actually two books. Mm. So I mentioned Tim Keller's latest book called Forgive. I would say that's particularly helpful towards the end as well on applying, you know, 
these truths of how do we actually walk through forgiveness of somebody else, especially when there's injustice done and things like that. So I think that's a really good book. The other book that I would really recommend is an, a book that's been around a lot longer. That's R.T. Kendall's book on total forgiveness. And that's, that's based on the story of Joseph and written by R.T. Kendall in a time of great personal struggle. So there's a real authenticity about it as well. And, you know, I, I wrote down a quote from that. When everything in you wants to hold a grudge, point a finger and remember the, ke- the pain, that's when God wants you to lay it all aside. And both those books I found really helpful and I would recommend them as reading for those that, you know, are listening and thinking, actually, I know I've got something to work through in this area. Yeah. And and please, if you're listening in and that, that's something that you're struggling with, please really take that as a as a, a poke from the Holy Spirit yeah. to, to put that time in because you can gain freedom. It's not just... I think that's another thing that with forgiveness, people often feel that you're letting someone off the hook by forgiving Mm. it's better just to hold the pain near Mm. and Mm. and sort of almost become embittered because then they'll know Mm. but actually that's not what forgiveness is and it's not actually what's happening when you do that you're just hurting yourself Mm. so yeah no really really encourage you to to listen to what janet's brought and and to to go from that on a pastoral level because obviously you're you deal with a lot of pastoral situations Mm. in 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 hedge end how do you balance that um forgiveness being needed but also justice is it needs to be served sometimes there is things that can't stay the same forgiveness doesn't just mean letting someone off the hook how do you know as a pastoral in a pastoral situation when you sit down where that line is drawn on a spiritual to practical level yeah and again you know there's just such a range of answers I can give into that I mean obviously there's the whole safeguarding side and so you do have to walk a very sensible and sensitive line on that there are times when actually you know something that has been done and, and is disclosed to you needs to be reported on and there is a you know course of action that will have to follow from that but I think in terms of you know just helping somebody to let go of things that they're carrying I you know I've seen so many people that just bound up in misery and pain because actually they cannot walk on from that. And so not only is there the sort of need for them to forgive someone to let that go, but actually what it does for them in terms of freedom and healing is sort of really crucial as well. So, yeah, I, you know, obviously coming to my mind now, probably coming to your minds as you're listening as well, are lots of different experiences that I've walked through with people and walked through myself as well. And I think that, you know, I think what I said in terms of reconciliation, that is not always possible. And that is really hard because... When you work through forgiveness, you want someone to say, oh, I'm sorry, I yeah. realise the pain I did for you, did against you and things like that. And sometimes that will never be seen. And so, you know, you've got to be able to let that go and let God deal with that, who ultimately is the judge yeah. and the just one and everything. So at the end of the day, I think we leave it before God. We, you know, get help. And I would say get help as well. You know, go to someone you know and trust and walk through it with someone and get someone to pray with you. And, you know, if there are areas that you then have to walk down because of, you know, issues that relate to justice, then, you know, pray that God will help you to walk that. But ultimately, it doesn't do anyone any good to carry this heavy bag of unforgiveness around them. It's painful and it will, it's it's very destructive. Uh, So, yeah, do something about it. (laughs) Incredible. 
That's amazing. Thank you so much for that, Janet. That's amazing. Really lovely. Thank you for joining me. And if what Janet has been speaking about has really brought something into your heart, um, brought things up from your life or your past or something you're currently dealing with, please contact the church. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love to pray with you and take you through those steps of forgiveness. Maybe if you if you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, what is this forgiveness that I mm. can receive from God? Please, we'd love to chat with you and pray with you, tell you more about this amazing God who loves you. Thank you so much for joining me, Janet. Pleasure. It's been so lovely. And hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Mm-hmm.